And we are back. It's Fork Buddies Podcast Flan. It is. It is the official Forks but Fork Buddies Podcast. We are on five different apps. That kind of blows my mind. Five. So uh, if- I feel like this kind of this level of notoriety is, uh, well, noteworthy. I've never been out in the public domain like this. It's overwhelming. Yeah, I, I don't know if you can like go to the local Dunbar's Kroger anymore without like uh, getting a standing ovation because the reviews are in and you're Mister Funny. I don't know about that. Well, according to the viewers. Flash listeners, you are the funny guy. That's a first. I mean, I feel like I laugh at your jokes, so I guess I, I guess I'm understating that I never thought of you as a funny guy, but I usually do laugh at things you say. So now that other people are starting to hear us, I guess that it, kind of it's a it's it's a trick. It's really an illusion because we have to laugh at each other on the podcast, otherwise it's going to seem awkward and weird. So. Based on Flan laughing, I come off as funny. Really, it's just it's just a trick. Yeah, it, I mean, yeah, but I, like that's the thing. Like everybody's use word for me to keep up, and I feel like I'm doing what I'm supposed to do here. I'm supposed to keep the conversation free flowing and keep you riding along with your jokes, and then that that in turn creates a very um, uh, a fruitful podcast. Do people know that you are the originator and I'm going to say thus the proprietor of this podcast? This was, this was, this is your baby. Yeah, I, I, I think most know that, but at the same time, like I just enjoy doing it. Like I'm never going to take any sort of credit for us having a conversation and recording it. Like it's pretty simple. You know, I had the idea of we both love food. We both like to travel around and eat food, and we both like to talk about doing that. So why not record ourselves? Yeah. I was listening you know, to a podcast no yesterday, actually, and I, I didn't get very far into it because, honestly, it wasn't very interesting. But uh, the host was like, I mean, it's really not that hard to become a good podcaster, I don't think. And I was like, hmm, yeah, I guess, because we're killing it. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of podcasts out there and there's something for everyone. And, you know, whether we're filling the niche for the state of West Virginia and talking about our little food adventures, I don't know. I don't really care. Like I said, like my vision for this was I enjoy conversating with you. That's why our friendship works. Why not record it? Mm -hmm. And if we talk about food, we talk about food. If we talk about aliens, we talk about aliens. We talk about life. We talk about life. Who cares? Like, why not just have something for us, you know, and record it? I feel like if the majority of uh, our conversations of the past had been recorded. Um, sorry, that was my dog. That's all right. We'd be, we'd be labeled <laughs> as freaks. Yeah, yeah, probably so. And I, 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 I want to get into a, a certain adventure that me and you had. Yeah, let's over- get freaky. Yeah, so um, my wife um, was kind of 
you know, there's there's a thing that happens in West Virginia, especially during like the winter time, right about you know January, February. You you've gotten through all the holidays, and it, well, I like to call it like you know, there's the dog days of summer, but I feel like there's dog days of winter too. Oh my gosh, you're just so bored. Yeah, so like I think it happens like right at the end of January, going into February, and you're you're dying for like March weather, April weather, like you know, fifty, sixty, overcast, maybe a little sunny, and you get you get a little stir crazy because you've been lo- you know you go to work, you come home, you get locked up in the house, and you know there's not a lot going on in the area anyway. True. So, so she made the suggestion, uh, let's let's go bowling, and I was like, okay, cool, you know, and bowling whatever. we went. So we go bowling, and uh, to set the scene, it's me, my wife, you, Ashley, which is your girlfriend, and my four-year-old, Ev. Ev has been bowling once with her um, her grampy, because her grampy is a world-renowned bowler around here. I don't know if he's stated his claim in South Carolina, but he's got a few three hundred. Did I hear? You know, did I hear that right? That uh, he actually bowled. 300 at the alley that we were at i would have to you know maybe he listens maybe he doesn't but i i I would have to get a confirmation on that but i'm on i know for a fact that he's bowled multiple 300 games that's awesome and i would say i would say he since there's only two bowling alleys in the area he's probably done one of each touche touche yeah so so he so he took ev bowling probably when she was three Two or three. So you're telling and me, you're telling me, Everly has only been bowling one other time. Yes, I, I think so. Maybe twice. Okay. Other than that, okay. I can't. But yeah, not. She's not like doing a whole whole lot. But that was the other plan. That was the other plan to get out of the house was to get Ev out of the house too, get her to do something, you know, move around, whatever. Mm-hmm. So we, so we go bowling and we try the first spot. We try Town Country Lanes and Nitro and. Uh, we walk in, man, and it like or we actually pulled in and I was like, Oh boy. And looked at the the parking lot and it was just jam packed. Not a lot to do in West Virginia on a Saturday night. Yeah, so and Saturday like rainy night. So like people I guess there wasn't anything in the movie theaters over the weekend, so people were just went bowling. Man, that's a good call. I have no idea. I couldn't tell you one movie that's playing right now. Well, I can tell you of one, and I can tell you probably why it's not a hit in the state of West Virginia, but, you know, it, it's the Black Panthers, the biggest movie out right now. Ah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't think the state of West Virginia is probably supporting it a whole, whole lot. Yeah. But for <laughs> for whatever reason. So, anyways, we pull in. We walk in. It's jam-packed. We tell the guy, hey, we got five. And their system, you know, you walk through this place and it's the newer building of the two on the outside. But walking in, man, it's just like it's an antique ish bowling alley from my from my view. It is. Yeah. So it's a little outdated. So you walk in, you tell the guy, hey, we got five. He's like he writes our name down. He's like and we're like, so how long do you think it'll be? He's like, it could be anywhere from 10 minutes to four hours. We yeah, like I feel like he six. said there were maybe four people ahead of us on the list. That's just that's we're not we're not we're not down with that on a on a Saturday. No, I, I, I'm not gonna wait. I'm not gonna wait. I, I'm not taking my chances with that. You know, uh, you know, bowling he does is fun. fun. Bowling is fun. I'm not trying to wait to bowl. You know no saying? way. 
Yeah. No way. So we get back in the car. We head over the river, over across the bridge, over the river, and go to the other bowling alley, Venture Lanes, which aesthetically pleasing it is not. In an area of St. Albans, or, yeah, Saint Al- South Charleston slash St. Albans. It's, it's not, the Badlands, Flan. That's what yeah, I call it. It's pretty rough. Jefferson, like, that whole area is just pretty beat down. Not a, so, lot, not a lot going on there unless you're into pretty bottom-of-the-barrel strip clubs. Yeah, and, like, old, like, bookstores and erotic uh, pleasure. <laughs> it's, it's just so weird. It's a weird drive-through. It reminds me of that time we went to see the comedian. I couldn't even tell you what his name was. He wasn't funny, but his opening act, he looked like Chris Farley. Remember that? And he he did like a Chris Farley, uh, Matt Foley motivational speaker. Yeah. And and the thing that sold me on him was he he's from around here, and Crazy Mitch's. This I mean this isn't gonna this isn't gonna be funny to anyone unless they are from around here and no crazy Mitch's it's this like trashy adult bookstore that's been in the badlands my entire life and it might not be there now but it was at this time and he said you know you're from uh charleston if you know that crazy Mitch's has been under new management for 22 years which the joke the joke is they've never changed their marquee the the new manager never bothered to take that down yeah he never reinvented the wheel there he just left that's that's jefferson in a nutshell yeah so yeah we pull in it's not as crowded we walk in and i'm not kidding i thought i walked into like a rap concert because the music was just blaring and the bass was a bumping <laughs> it's like what not is what going? you're expecting when you're when you're trying to bowl no like I, granted it's saturday night i get it you know people want to let their hair down have a have a couple pictures whatever but like i'm talking like deep deep bass like somebody drove by your house and you could hear their like 16s roaring in the back bass. oh yeah yeah it was what's crazy like, is what's crazy you know i'm like i'm not really knocking anybody's good time but I'm going to. Uh, if that is your idea of a really great Saturday evening out, which there were some people there, and it was a really great Saturday evening out, I'm sorry. Like the, uh, it's, it's not a good look. I mean, I knew what we were getting into. You did as well. And, uh, you know, Ashley said she had been there. She had been at Venture before on a recruiting trip. So she had been she had been in, in that scene before, and you know, uh, obviously, yeah. yeah, she went so, with me and uh, my cousin and my mom as well, probably about a year ago. But um, it, that was the last time I'd been in there. It was about a year prior. Yeah, so like we we get in, get our stuff, get our lane, and dude, my biggest gripe all night, like honestly, like <laughs> you know, I'm gonna beat this. I want to beat this idea into people's heads. You got to understand something like if you have a play, you have a business, right? And you're trying to have, a, you're trying to keep people inside of the building that you have your business in. It has to be comfortable and able for people to socialize inside of that building. And I'm not kidding when I say that table and chair set up at Venture Lane should be outlawed in all 50 states. Oh, yeah. Like, 
it was like I don't even think that I don't even think that we can do an adequate job of describing it. It it's I'll, like I'll, I'll, the, I'll the chairs yeah, the chairs like they do this weird pull out thing and then when you let go of it it flings back in under the table and my chair that I sat in for like 85% of our of our little adventure it didn't face the bowling alley when you <laughs> it didn't face the lanes when you were sitting in it so i mean i looked yeah. at the the i looked at the bowling ball selection and you Dude, the whole time so it was it was like sitting at the kitty table it's like literally it was awful and i'm like I, you know First, I walk, I'm a little bit distraught from, like, the, the deep, deep bass, which that kind of, like, dulls out after a while because you get used to it. But when you first walk in, like, it really does an assault on your ears. But after you get past that, then you have to get you have to get your lane, get your shoes on. But when the, in the point of getting your shoes on, you're sitting at the kiddie table where your, your, your seats swivel out a little bit just enough for you to put your shoes on. Then you swivel back in, and it's like everybody's on top of each other. And everybody's and, like, this is... <laughs> yeah, and maybe it's the introvert in me, but uh, it's really odd when it's super packed and yeah. you just show up and, and you're the new person there. All eyes are looking at you guys and you don't know uh, whose bowling ball is who's in the, in the little return thing. You don't want to overstep your bounds and pick somebody else's ball up. Uh, yeah just, like it, it was so it's a super, weird it's a weird thing it's super claustrophobic on top of like being like a, it just it's obnoxious almost like you're 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 offsetting with the table beside you so they're a little bit up from you but you're not far enough away from them where they can't hear your whole conversation and you can't hear theirs this so, is like, bowling this is bowling for me in a nutshell um I went out and I was bowling not very well, I might add. And this guy that he looked like he hated his life sitting. Oh my gosh, this older dude. He just, it's like he wanted to kill his wife and his son for making him go on this, this date with uh, the son's girlfriend tagging along. But I, I pick my ball up. I stride up to the lane, angling it up. This dude comes up to my left, and I ignore him. Go ahead and bowl. I think I got one pin. And as I'm right as I'm walking back, turning around to walk back, he goes, "Ha! Huh, I'm glad you're here." <laughs> like, what do you say to that? Okay, yeah, sure, man. I'll throw another gutter ball. Just make you look better. How about that? Yeah, that's not embarrassing. Yeah, like you know, it's almost it's almost like he. He was assaulting my manhood. I can sympathize. It was a it was a chest bumping moment. Like I wanted to be like, buddy, I'll I'll throw a strike right now. <laughs> I can but sympathize I with that with that notion of what you're talking about with that guy because you know a lot of me was like you know that's some it's something to do but at the same time it wasn't exactly what I wanted to do but you know I was just trying to be a good teammate and go through with it. But at the same time, like, there just seems like it was just more and more factors piling up on top of, like, this is not the thing we should be doing. <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, we, we end up bowling. We get through it. We do a couple games, whatever. Your girlfriend wins. She felt like she probably won the World Series, whatever. Cool. 
and and we we roll out and that's the saturday night but like i i have to get i have to hammer this point across like if you're listening to me town and country and venture lanes what is it to go out and get a few sofas man like yeah come and, on and jazz the place up a little, like just jazz the place up a little bit put the money back into the place quit paying yourselves a salary and put the money back into the business because if you want it to thrive, you got to do some things that won't make people uncomfortable while they're in your building. And I can't tell you enough that your kitty tables and your 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 deaf your your deafening um, base of a speaker system has to go. Like has, it has to, to go. go. Chuck yeah, it. Like, it's Chuck. an agoraphobic nightmare. Just like seriously. But you know and what? I, Hang on. Let's get to the nitty gritty real quick. Your daughter, who I wanted to make sure had only been bowling one time prior. So this was her second time bowling in her life, four years old. Your daughter beat your wife. She did. Uh, handedly, I must say. Like, it wasn't close. No, there's a lot of things my wife um, is top-notch at. Any athletic endeavor, she's... She... She's not t- quite top notch. I know, and, and you know it's okay. You know, Mrs. Flan, the dinner was excellent. Your bowling <laughs> game was down. It went down the tubes quick. Yeah, we left that part out, but she did cook a excellent dinner for us prior to going. So she did. Thank you. For that. Thank you for that. <laughs> but yeah, so that was our that was our little get out Saturday night last weekend. Um. Uh, I think we came on, you know, to the, today to talk about some some things that, you know, have, we've been doing daily here and there, like, you know, trying to keep up and brush up because we haven't been to a, like a real re- – we haven't been to a restaurant that you and I haven't been to yet until I can actually review it. But I think there's a few places coming up that we got on the radar, one of them being Gonzo Burger. Gonzo. That, yeah, they, yeah. They, they, they open up Monday, and then there's another place in Hurricane called Whiskey Taco. That now, I'm going gonna, gonna to take this opportunity to explain to our listeners what I had told you previously that I had heard about Whiskey Taco. Um, it was my one of my cousin's uh, birthdays recently. She just turned 21. Happy birthday, Katie. And um, we went out to dinner, and... We were talking about how she had been spending her birthday. Well, that day she had gone to this place called Whiskey Taco that Flan just mentioned. But the thing that stuck out in my mind was not that she said the food was good, which I'm pretty sure she did. But she said that when they discovered that it was her birthday, they started ringing a bell in the back, like I guess in the kitchen. And when she looked up, they were all coming out of the kitchen with Nacho Libre style wrestling masks on doing a happy birthday chant. That is awesome. Like, yes, wrap your head around that. I told her, uh, I think what started the, that uh, dialogue was I told her when I was like three years old, um, I was at Shoney's for my birthday and they came out to sing happy birthday and I didn't know what to do. And I got under the table and cried while they were singing happy birthday to me. Imagine three-year-old Jay at whiskey taco 
when a bunch of people pour out of the kitchen in wrestling masks, shouting happy birthday and whatever, clapping their hands. That's a nightmare. Yeah, you piss your pants and run out of there for sure. But 28-year-old Jay thinks that is awesome. So... Yeah, so we should just go to Whiskey Taco and tell them it's our birthday and (laughs) video. (laughs) Yeah, we could do that. But uh, I think if we're going to, you know, for this thing to like, I I think for the most authentic experience to give to our listeners, which, you know, there's very little listeners, but (laughs) the most authentic experience for us to do is go places that we've never been before. So I, I feel like in the future, which in the next couple of weeks, we'll get out during the week or sometime and go to these places and try them out and then come back and talk about them. But those are the two that are our radar right now. And then I think you didn't you didn't quite give me the yes on it because we looked at um, how expensive the dinner menu was. But I think brunch would be doable at the block downtown. Oh, yeah. So we could look into that as well. So that could be like a wild card number three slot. Is the and block then, is the block the one that's on the corner across from the library on Capitol yeah. Street? Okay. Yeah. So those are like the three that are in the area. Now after that, I, I think it's gonna be like you and I hitting the road, getting in a car and driving a little bit to get to some of the places that we've never been. Let's Before. hit it. Yeah. yeah, so getting in the car maybe, you know, around March, April. And, you know, doing like a weekend trip and hitting something up and trying it out. So that'll be cool. But, yeah, so that that that's what that's a little preview of um, of restaurants that we're probably going to hit up in the next couple of weeks. And then I think, you know, one of the other things that I wanted to bring up is I've been doing this. Um, I've been I've been staying true to my YouTube deep dives. And um. A new show from First We Feast dropped this week, and it's called um, The Burger Show. And I, I don't know if you got a chance to get around to watching it or not, because you said you, you were going. I did. You I did? did. Okay. It so, was the, there's only one episode, right? It's the correct. one with Adam Richmond. Yeah, so Adam Richmond, if anybody doesn't know, is the guy from um, uh, Man vs. Food. And he's kind of split off from that because I think he stopped doing that show because of health reasons. I'm not sure. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure he claimed uh, health problems, like you know, out, out the wazoo, because he was doing, uh, you know, he was. It's not surprising. Long, yeah, he's doing these long stints, like six months of taping, and basically just stuffing food in his face that are is like he's doing food challenges more or less every show. And uh, he gave that up, left the Travel Channel. And if you don't know his background, his background kind of interesting. He actually graduated from, I think, uh, Yale uh, Drama School. He did. I think he has actually a, an international affairs bachelor. So he's a brother. And then uh, after that, he did the, um, the master's, I guess, in theater from Yale, which is pretty cool. Yeah, dude, he's a really, uh, for me, like, maybe it might be, he might not be some people's cup of tea, but for me, I, I enjoy him. I, I don't find him, you know, over, overtly obnoxious or anything. I think, you know, he's just a, he's an all-American dude with a little bit of a, you know, a personality, and he just, he enjoys food, and he, and he, he, he finds a way to 
to relate, I think, to like the, I want to say middle class, like blue collar person, because he's not like doing like high end stuff. Yeah. He's not really a chef either, but he, he goes like, he's like um, a more mild, I would say, Guy Fieri. You know what I mean? He has, he has that sort of like, you know, he'll have a burger and a beer with you kind of dude, and he'll be able to talk to you. And you know, he's, he's a fan of Saka. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, who's he root for? Tottenham. Ah, don't know anything about it. You'll have to educate the the listeners on that one day. But uh, so, anyways, back to the show. The Burger Show came out last week, and I watched it. It's about what, like eight to ten minutes? Yeah, not. I think I think it was nine. And so the guy that's doing this show um, is uh, Chef Alvin. Kalen, Kylan. I don't know. I have no idea. I just noticed his first name was Alvin. He's the owner of um, Egg Slut, right? Correct. And for anyone who doesn't know anything about Egg Slut, um, I stumbled onto them, or just the restaurant in general, and this guy, you know, doing a YouTube deep dive. And he's actually really interesting in the way that he he makes breakfast sandwiches, obviously, (laughs) surrounding eggs. And um, he has a unique way of cooking eggs. And for any, for most people that, you know, obviously most people cook. And eggs, eggs can be a finicky thing when, on you know, how you prepare them. Some people like them scrambled. Some people like them over easy. Some people like them, uh, gosh, with cheese. Um, poached. Maybe poached. Yeah. So other things are a lot of different methods to make eggs, I guess. But this guy has a unique uh, version of it because basically he started this. Um, it's like a soft egg scramble, so they're, they're not really like they're they're like kind of creamy in texture. Because what he does is he uh, gets an extremely cold pan, and what he does in that pan, he breaks the eggs into the pan, and then he start he puts a big like hunking piece of butter in that's like room temperature. And he basically just stirs that in, start, folds that butter into these eggs, and gets it real, gets it to like this real like textury, uh, buttery looking egg. It looks it looks fantastic. And then he puts it on and he provides heat, and and he and he continues to stir the eggs. And for whatever reason, the butter acts as like an agent, like a binding agent to the eggs, and it like turns them like super like creamy and instead you know most people think if you're going to make creamy eggs you're going to like add milk or some sort of cream or something like that but this guy flipped it on the head because the the cold pan is is the um is the key here because you're automatically not not warming the pan up to basically overcook the eggs because anybody's ever had overcooked eggs they're not very good and um then he adds it to the sandwiches and then blanket it with like a piece of cheese and it all stays tucked in. Cause you know, if you've ever ate any sort of egg sandwich, you know, like if you take one bite, the eggs just going to start coming out. Whether yeah. you, you got a freezy egg with the yolk or you got a scrambled egg, it's just going to fall out of the sandwich and you have to stuff it back in there with his, everything stays, stays nice and packed in. Cause he puts that blanket of cheese over it. And he's just an innovator, man. Like he's a, he's just a cool dude, and he came up with a really good concept for a, a restaurant. He built his restaurant around the egg, and he does it a different way than anyone else does. So now he's graduated from, I guess, 
educating people about egg slut to doing this show. And him and Richmond sit down for about 10 minutes on the show at a restaurant and they try new, they try different like levels of burgers. Yeah. And the first guy who brings out the burger, I don't know if you know, is um, actually from, uh, he did like a lot of stuff um, on the bar rescue show for John Taffer. On really? Spike. Yeah. That first guy that they loved that burger that that dude brought out the first, very first one. Yeah, I noticed something that uh, Adam Richmond said about it was he loved the highbrow, lowbrow of the right. burger, meaning like it it had um, sort of like an upscale ingredient. Yeah, and then to offset it, there's like some ketchup. Right, and, and you know, there, there, he he mentioned like two or three different pairings, but then that made me think. I don't think I've ever had a burger like that before. No, like I'm, me- I'm pretty plain Jane in the sense of. If I'm going to put truffle butter on my burger, there's not going to be mustard or ketchup anywhere on there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So that's, yeah, you're, that's you're interesting. Either go, you're either going to go high, super high end or super low end. Yeah. You're not going to mix the, the two. But that guy kind of did the first one. But his burger, I like my favorite part of the show was is how they explained um, where how the pricing was done for these for these levels of burgers? Yeah, that was very interesting. And I believe that that doesn't get talked about n- enough in why pe- why businesses set the prices that they do. And I thought the most telling thing was is that they tar- talked about the Martin's potato roll compared to a brioche bun. Yeah, and- sixteen cent uh, potato roll bun versus the three dollar brioche. That's no it's- meat. And you're already paying three dollars for a burger. Exactly, and it, it, then they didn't even go down like the list of condiments that's on it. Plus, like you know, if there's any sort of sauces on it, um, any sort of like veggie fixing on it, like all that stuff. Right. Factor. Plus the 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 type of meat they're using because most high end burgers have different sort of cuts of meat in them, ground up. And they're trying to go. I've heard the best the best ratio for a burger I've heard is 80 20, 80 um, like ground chuck, 80 percent ground chuck and 20 percent fat. Yeah. And and they didn't they didn't really go into that. But I feel like that's kind of the norm in most restaurants is to try to get 80 20 because they want that fat to render into the burger and stay in there. So you get that's where the flavor comes from. But you know, you know what else is interesting about that show? The third burger that they ate was triple digits. So it's like, what was it? It was almost $300 for this burger. There was caviar on it. There was caviar, gold dusting on top of the bun. Just stupid. Yeah, like, that's that's dumb. But like, they had so much uh, truffle butter and shaved truffle in and on the burger. And... I wanted to hear more about that because the 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 patty itself had truffle butter um, inside of it, and I, I I guess they're going for something like a like a I don't know a super ritzy juicy Lucy, but um, they they didn't really elaborate on what it tasted like, which I was a little disappointed in. But all they all they really said was uh, the Alvin fellow he's. He he's a self-proclaimed uh, burger lover, obviously, but he says just the simpler the better. So it's not something he would go out of his way to get. I mean, 
who would really, unless you you're walking around with a hundred G's in your pocket. But see, um, I don't feel like like I I think why we've gotten to that point where these restaurants are trying that like higher end stuff is basically just for the the um the marketing of it, just to market their restaurant, just say hey, we have this to offer you. Yeah, if you get. So. You know, a millionaire type that wants to come in and be like, "Oh, I bought a five hundred bur- five hundred dollar burger tonight." Then you at least want to offer it. But I don't feel like they're making those on a daily basis. You know? No, I mean? of course not. And you know, I feel like people are just dumb. Uh, right. Obviously, obviously, our listeners are excluded in that number. But there are a lot of people. They have no idea what they're getting. They just go in and they look at the price tag, and it's a little bit above what the commoner would pay. And they they shell out the money for it, and subconsciously, or maybe very consciously, they're feeling a step above the rest. You know what I mean? And I, I feel like uh, that is something that the food industry has historically tried t- to cash in on. And it works. It works. Like I, I, another YouTube show called Worth It. You know Worth It. Yep. Um on the pizza episode, they ate a $2,000 pizza, and instead of looking at it and there's cheese, it was gold. Yep. Why would you eat a gold pizza? I feel like I, I, said to that, I said that to you Saturday night. I said, I don't understand the fascination with people that want to eat gold. Why would what? you want to turn gold into poop? I don't understand where that is coming from like i don't know who's like yeah let's start eating like gold gold flakes all the you time. might you might as well just put your money in a bowl and then put a match in there and watch it burn it doesn't it can't taste good it can't provide any sort of taste that's going to be like man that makes it so much better right you know and and like i'm going back to your point of like you don't i, I don't think the the commoners know exactly what they're eating they just they hear something like they've never heard before and they're like, they automatically think like, oh, that's going to be good. Is, yeah. I don't feel like people know what truffles are. That's true. I, I don't people, feel like... people do know. They hear the word truffle associated with high-end uh, menu items and you just go for it, you know? Yeah, yeah like, but I don't think they really know what it is. Right. It's like somebody and... that, that orders a wine they've never heard of because it's the most expensive one on the menu. Right. And then also, I don't think people really know what caviar is. <laughs> I, I, and, 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 and I can even take it some steps further than that. Like, I don't think people know what certain cheeses are, where they, where they derive from, how they're made. Like educational, ed, educationally, inside of the food world, people know, I think, certain price points of where things like co- what things cost. But I don't think they actually know like where the where this stuff comes. Like we've we've become so disconnected from where our food actually comes from that I don't think people really d- dive into like oh yeah I understand that that caviar was made in freaking Canada somewhere by a dude who raises sturgeons and has like thousands of tanks on his property and he gets his he gets hit which for anybody that doesn't know, caviar is fish eggs, and he mm. farm dedicated to sturgeon where the sturgeon make the eggs for him. And then he sells those eggs in tin cans to people for a lot of money. 
and it's a it's a big industry and you know the better the sturgeon the better the egg and people i don't think people really care they just know that caviar is high-end stuff and they'll never be able to afford it if you're like middle class and you'll never get to taste that and then the like people in the chef world or the food industry they might get their hands on some good caviar every once in a while you know for like a show like such as this but you know what maybe that was uh David Chang's initiative was to bring caviar to the commoner by pairing it with fried chicken. I I hope one day, man, I hope one day you and I can sit down and, and do that. We can have that fried chicken and caviar. We can just have caviar in general. I mean, I'm interested, but at the same time, like, I don't think people are like, man, I really, I'm really bummed out. I didn't get to fulfill my life's goal of having caviar. You know, I mean, that's the other that's the other side of this is like most people aren't going to even want to even go down that road as soon as they hear fish egg like they ain't going down that road. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, it's I mean, not instead. There's, there's still a lot of people that I know of that absolutely under no circumstance will put a piece of sushi in their mouth. Exactly. I mean, there's just there's mind boggling to me. There's just things for people. Um the, there, there's just there's just a certain type of food that some somebody might not ever eat in their life and never want to eat it in their life, and I feel like with bringing it back to the burger show at the end of that, like a lot of the things that those guys were eating, I don't even think they necessarily wanted to do it. I think they just did it for the show. You know what I mean? Yeah, I agree. So that but that first burger that that guy brought out, that guy worked on John Taffer's show, trying to bring these bars back to life by serving food. And I've seen him on quite a bit of stuff. He's a he's a pretty high end chef. So cool. And I can attest that they said that was probably the best of the three. And I would probably if I I feel like if I was there with them eating the same stuff, I feel like I would have said the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm inclined to agree with that. I'm, I'm all I'm all for keep it simple, stupid. Like, why are we why are we going? Don't we, fix it if it's not broken. Exactly, dude. Like the best burger, some of the best burgers in the world are just high-end meat, a good solid uh, meat vessel, which is a good solid bun that's not going to fall apart on you, a few condiments, a few veggies, some crunch, some acid, some, you know, a little spice maybe, a little bacon crunch, a little avocado. You know, just keep it simple. Don't don't yeah. don't get over – don't try to overwhelm the person with these I, – I, I can't stand to see those, like, massive burgers, the ones that are, like – they look like flying saucers. You know that's you know that's not good. You know it's no. not. Like you and I, we, we we can we can we'll we'll get into the debate eventually at some point. But like we 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 have this ongoing debate about what the best burger chain is in the country, and we've mentioned it I think in the first episode. But at the same time, like the the higher end burger chains, their burgers aren't overwhelmingly big. They're relatively small but they're so delicious. Oh yeah. And you know what? I'm, I'm actually glad that you mentioned that because I was going to bring something up. I don't know if you watched the trailer, I guess is what it was for the new burger show with this Alvin guy. Yeah. But there, there's a clip in there of him kind of struggling with that with someone else about which is the better burger chain in and out or Shake Shack. And he said, why don't, why don't we just mesh the two concepts together and have little in-and-out Shake Shack babies? And 
he made an In-N-Out Shake Shack burger. And like, that's, that's what I'm talking about. Who would have thought to do that? You have two highly contested enemies of one another. Right. And you, br- you bring them together for something that's possibly even better than what they would be individually. I'm going to have to try it. I'm going to have to try it. I can't wait to see that concept done. In and because, out Shake Shack babies. Because I'm like, as soon as you said that, my brain starts getting rolling on like what what components of each place did he use? Like, oh man! Which, you know, I think I'm, he kept the In and Out bun. Uh, that's a good. And you know, you know how Shake Shack they have they're big on melted cheese. I think um, it looked like there was just a plethora of melted cheese on this burger hmm. and it was, it was stacked like an in and out burger would be like a double, double would be, would be stacked or, a, you know, whatever. Well, the, um, the difference in the patties of the two is that Shake Shack more, is more of a smash down patty. And I would say in and out is a little bit thicker than that. Yeah. I'd have to watch it again to like fully analyze the, pat- I mean, I was so caught off guard. You, you say in and out and Shake Shack brought together in one burger, and my world starts spinning. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So I, I, I'm, I'm down with that. I can't wait for that episode to come out. Um, for sure. But, but yeah, it looks like a really cool uh, concept of a show. He's a good dude to to host a show like that. Um, I think he's pretty interesting. He has definitely a lot to say on the on the subject of burgers. He's a burger enthusiast and connoisseur so yeah. you know what i'd also like to say i did myself a disservice i am not an egg person by any stretch of the imagination but i was right there flan at his restaurant in la egg slut and i didn't i i didn't become a slut yeah. eggs. I, yeah. I don't know why <laughs> Yeah, that you'd love to have that one back because I I feel like that guy he gets it when it comes to the breakfast sandwich. He gets it, and it it was it's such a popular hangout in downtown L.A. I was reading that uh, William Shatner actually is one of the most frequent celebrities to eat there. Um, he's <laughs> just like walks in, sits down at the bar, eats, walks out. Yeah, he makes all a. The time. There's a there's a Munchies video of of Alvin, and he does a sort of like a hangover style egg sandwich, um, and he uses um, Hawaiian rolls that you can get at oh, any yeah. um, Kroger or Walmart or whatever, and he cuts them in fours, so it's like one big like uh, bun almost. Uh-huh. And, um, butters those suckers up, puts them on the you know flat top, gets a little, nice little sear crunch on them, and then he does a like play with um he 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 does it two different ways. He does the eggs like he normally does at the restaurant, which what I already explained, and then he he fries up some pork chops on for one, and then does spam on the other. <laughs> and uh, he he crisps crisp, feel about that. Yeah, he crisps both of those up, and he doesn't use any cheese. Um, he uses a spicy chipotle mayo with like um, a uh, um, sriracha-based uh, sauce, sriracha-based mayo, and then um, put some like scallions, some 
uh, he, he like julianes them and then puts them in water and they kind of like shrivel up and curl up for mm-hmm. crunch, like green onion style slash, you know, give you a little, a little kick from the onion. Right. And dude, that sandwich looked, I mean, phenomenal. And I don't even know if he offers it at the restaurant, but I was just like, dude, if that guy's whipping up something for breakfast, you better be <laughs> eating it. Cause it's, it looks phenomenal. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I totally missed the bus on that, and I feel really shameful. They even had the one thing I was looking at. I I can't remember the details of it, but if you if you look, I'm sure there's a website where you can find it. He has something that he sells called egg in a jar, or like I don't know, but it's like it's almost like a little mason jar, and it's just filled to the brim with little eggy goodness and. Man, I'm so disappointed I missed out on it. Yeah, man. You know, we talked last week about um, how, you know, with your tax money, you might be taking a trip, which uh, I'm not I'm not sure if you listened to it all the way through. I didn't listen to the podcast all the way through last week, but we they found out or my buddy Bill found out that we were on um, podcasts. We were on in a few. And then I found out later on that we were on a few other platforms. But uh, when he texted me that, he said they cut us off at the two-hour mark. Ah, dicks. So, so I, I think the last like bit of the conversation that we were having was talking about you going to Orlando. And I think before that, we talked about you using tax money and maybe going somewhere, maybe flying back to L.A. Um, to do another food adventure like you did in Chicago. But, True. Uh, well, you yeah. know what? Since since the last podcast, uh, the missus and I have been in, in talks about that, and we've come up with this crazy – actually, I came up with it. I don't think she's too fond of it at the moment, so I'm not sure how it's going to pan out. But I thought it's a little unconventional in the traditional vacation sense, but if we rented a car and drove – stay with me now from here to Seattle and then switched cars and drove from Seattle back to West Virginia. And the way we would do it, if we did it would be start here and go South, like through Texas, New Mexico, Arizona, up through Nevada, California, Oregon, Washington. And then on the return leg, Washington, Idaho, Montana, you know, the northern states. Stay in a different uh, state every night in a hotel. Try out some food all along the way. But um, like I said, that is a daunting task. Yeah, that sounds tough. Uh, I don't, I I seriously doubt that, that we'll make it past the planning stage. But if we do, man... That's some good pork buddy content right there. Yeah, yeah, we would have, we would I definitely have to catch you on the trip and we'd have to do some podcasts from remote locations for sure, but yeah, that'd be cool if you could pull it off. Yeah, I probably won't, but who knows. We'll see where I, where we end up. So, yeah, um I uh I don't know what um how how I got here, like we talked about it early in the week, like what were we going to talk about? Because, you know, 
we hadn't obviously been anywhere to eat or done anything like that, done anything cool other than, the, you know, the bowling eye trip, which wasn't that cool. But you said that you had some Bourdain stuff to talk about because you've been getting big into it, like his book, because you've been reading a lot, waiting to go to school. Yes. And I deep dived on YouTube, just some Bourdain like clips, because you can't find any like his like main shows on right. YouTube. You can't find them on YouTube. You can find them on Netflix or Hulu or somewhere else, but I, I just didn't go there. I'm, I'm just a YouTube guy right now. So I was, I was deep diving on him. And I came across this like seven minute clip and uh, <laughs> it's funny because he had never been to a waffle house before. And for, yeah. any, for anyone that didn't listen to any of the previous episodes, I had talked about like my, I think it might've been our very first one that we didn't actually publish or anything because the, the quality was so bad. But uh, <laughs> I said that one of my, you know, one of my loves when I lived in South Carolina was Waffle House. Like I knew where all the good ones were. I knew, you know, where I could get the the best food and, you know, the best service and yada, yada, yada. So <laughs> I'm watching this seven minute clip and it's him guy named Sean Brock who runs a restaurant called Husk in Charleston, South Carolina. And this show is from this, the actual show. The parts of the show that I watched was from parts unknown on CNN. And mm -hmm. actually the, the, the episode um, with uh, Bill Murray in it. Cause Bill Murray moved to Charleston, South Carolina to basically get away from the hustle and bustle of Hollywood. And so he, he just wanted to get away from everything. Yeah. He's like a recluse these days. Yeah. You can't find, like he just pops up places. He's, he's weird. Yeah. In that sense. But anyways, cool. so they interview him at Husk and he loves Husk. I guess he lives outside of Charleston, you know, kind of, you know, property house and, just does whatever he wants to do, but he, he plays a low-key role in the community. And uh, they get blitzed, man. Sean Brock and, and Bourdain, like, Brock feeds him at the restaurant Husk, and he get they get blitzed because, you know, Bourdain's a partier. Oh, yeah. Like, drink heavily. And uh, so they <laughs> – he, I guess in a, in a conversation, Bourdain goes, like, I've never been to a Waffle House. And Sean Brock just loses it. He's like, dude, we got to go. <laughs> <laughs> so they end up at Waffle House sitting at the bar. Uh, and, it, it, yeah, anybody that's been to Waffle House knows, like, you got the outer tables and then you got the bar area. And it's, it's really cool to just sit at the bar and get served. And it, it got me thinking because, you know, they're romanticizing Waffle House which I've already done in my own head because I, for whatever reason, it was like a little safe haven for me down in South Carolina. Like if I got off work late, like nothing was open, I'd go to a Waffle House because they're 24 hours. So, yep. uh, but they got me thinking, um, it's one of the few restaurants that actually cooks the food in front of you. And yeah. It, and when Actually, in, in, in my microbiology class, we actually had a discussion on this uh, because as I don't know, rugged and wild and kind of gritty as Waffle House sort of seems to be, believe it or not, it's actually one of the um, better places to eat in terms of um, 
not healthy food, but food safety. Yeah, yeah, food because safety is number one there because they can't get away with anything because you can see them cooking. Yep, it's all right there in front of you. Like now, you there's other obviously there's been other uh, restaurants that have capitalized on that, like uh, any hibachi restaurant or these new like Korean barbecue. Uh, places that are kind of popping up and then you got like the melting pot if you've ever been to a melting pot you basically cook your own food right there at the table but yeah so i got to thinking about that i was like man this is an interesting point that sean brock makes because he's a world-renowned chef but the way he's gushing about waffle house and and to another chef who is world-renowned who's never been in a waffle house it was just like one of those moments where i was like a firm I was affirmed that I was like, I'd, I'd found something that these guys had found as well. And they loved it as much as I did. And I'm just a nobody and they're somebodies. And I was like, you know, you know what I mean? That af- that affirmation point, like, Hey man, you're doing it right. Like even when you were at your lowest points in life or whatever, like you still had waffle house to fall back. <laughs> <laughs> and these guys, these guys who are uber celebrities hang out with celebrities or feel the same way I do. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that connecting moment. Like they're just human like me, you know, they get it just like I do. You know? Right. So anyways, to go on about the show, like they, they, they have this epic order, but I, what I thought was funny about it and what I wanted to point out was, and it's interesting. And I don't think, I don't understand why people don't eat like this more. And I actually, I'll, I'll get into that in a second. I, I, let me lay it out for you. So basically what they do is um, they split the orders down in half. Okay. So everything that comes out, Bourdain gets half of the plate and he gets the other half. So they have the same exact. And so like Brock lays it out. He's like, this is how we're going to order. Cause Bourdain's never been in there. You know, Bourdain has his order at in and out. Cause he knows in and out. He loves in and out. You know, he goes in and gets a double, double animal style. Like we all know that. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> But like Brock takes the wheel here and is like, look, this is what this is how I <laughs> and he splits the he splits the plates in half. They get he's because Bourdain's fascinated by the hash browns because there's like eight different ways to get your hash browns in a, in a Waffle House. You can oh, get yeah. them smoked, covered, peppered, uh, all that, all those adjectives, whatever. And. Brock runs it down for him. He's like, this is how we're doing it. So they get that and they, they get the eggs come out. Everything comes out bacon. I think they get some ham. And then dude, after that, they get, he's like, we got to get a pecan waffle. So they get a pecan waffle. They split that down the middle. Then they get a patty melt, split that down the middle. And then I can't remember. I think they got a salad, some sort of salad. This is how, this is how you knew they were trashed, man. It was just like the 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 smile, you know that you know you ever looked at someone that's like super inebriated, and he's eating food like it's kind of like our um what was that restaurant in St Albans that we would go to, the Whites. It's like it's like going uh, to the Whites like at like twelve a.m. after just getting like hammered, and everything you're shoveling in your mouth is like fantastic. This is this is the the picture I'm trying to set for everyone for Brock and Bourdain is that they just have this smile. And everything they they're eating, they love it. <laughs> and I just thought it was hilarious, man. Like I was like, yes. But anyways, back to I want to finish the point off, and then I'll let you talk about it a little bit about the book. But I don't understand why more people don't eat like that. You know, it like because my me and my wife had a discussion one time because you know 
we were we were going out to these restaurants and we were both getting like these dishes plus appetizers plus all this stuff and we we had a tough time finishing it. I would finish off my wife's plate and finish mine and blah, 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 you know, and I'm like, gosh, we're spending a little too much money. So let's start an idea of where we both come to the agreement of like, this is kind of what we want and we'll split the main dish down the middle. Like you get half, I get half. And I don't, I don't see that happen a lot. I don't know if that happens around you at all, but like, I don't feel, I feel like some, most people that you're eating with after a while, you get similar like uh, tastes and wants Mm-hmm. And I don't understand, like, the, the one of the best ideas I'd seen in a long time was in Charleston, and I feel like other restaurants, and I told you about it, other restaurants don't hit on, it's called tapas, and it's like small plates, and yeah. I don't understand, it, bringing out, like, multiple dishes so you can get a real good feel of the restaurant. Well, I, you know, I was actually about to comment on that. Um, I feel like the concept that you are talking about is similar to that because yeah. I think in America, land of plenty of food, people kind of have this this notion that you have to 100% cover your plate with food. You have to yeah. have so much food that, you know, if you don't, if you don't, I don't even know how to, how to like quantify it. If you don't have enough food that you're still eating by the time you're full, then you're going to go hungry. You know what I mean? Because in right. other in other places, they don't eat that way. Um, so I feel like the idea of, of tapas, like a tapas bar, is taboo to definitely people around here in Appalachia. Because why go somewhere, in, in their mind, why go somewhere and pay the same price for a meal uh, that you could get anywhere else and not get enough, which, right. which it kind of goes hand in hand with, I'm going to order this uh, whatever, and I'm going to split it with this person. Well, same like-minded people would say, I'm going to get my own and eat as much as I want, and you can get your own and eat as much as you want. I just don't think that that we're in that kind of enlightened um, area where where people do that regularly. Because I've definitely been to places where uh, that's common practice. But yeah, here... I think it's I think it I think it's on the way. I just don't think we've caught up yet. But like the shareable meal is going to be like the new thing. Like not new because it's not new. It's not a new idea by any means. But I think people are going to start giving it a better look because it just makes more sense. And then the other, the other part of that is if you're going to start sharing food with other people, I I feel like that cuts down on waste. And we all know in this country, we waste a lot of food. So much, so much food, throw a lot of food away. And I think if, if restaurants start to grasp the idea of like a sustainable restaurant, that's bringing in food, um, fresh food and things like that, they're going to want to cut down on waste. So I have no problem with the smaller portion, better tasting food. I don't, I, I'm me. I've never been a big fan of, I mean, I guess in certain, at certain times, but like not all the time, I've never been a big food, like a big, like it's gotta be like a trash can lid. Yeah. You know, I, I'm not, a, I'm not, I'm not a big proponent of like the pokey dot in Fairmont. Like oh, I don't get it. 
it's just it just seems like it's too much like after like three bites you're just you're just shoveling it in just just trying to see if you can get it done fellas you know give a google to the pokey dot in fairmont west virginia and i want you to look at the milkshakes that they offer and just reflect on that for a little bit because i have never had so much dairy in one sitting before in my life and i felt it's like a different sick (laughs) dairy sick yeah it's it's weird right yeah i mean i get it i get it on a level like it makes sense to do it here but at the same time like i i feel like there's room for that plus there's room for like small plate restaurants like I, I told you, I told you a couple weeks ago, or maybe last week, um, I saw Red Lobster advertising like small plates. So I feel like it's coming. I feel like it's 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 been around at other places, but I feel like it's starting to branch out in the mainstream. Like people are starting to get it. Like some people want to go and have like seventeen different things, or or you know eight different things. Yeah. They don't want to be beholden to like one thing because we've all been with people that are at a restaurant that don't know what they want. So what's the best way to combat not knowing what you want? Oh, I get eight different things. Cool. And then I can figure out which one, which of the best of the eight is there is. And then I go from there next time. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, for so sure. Better later when you go to the restaurant, if you get to, you know, branch out and have different things. So yeah, that, uh, I guess I'll, I'll open the door to you. Some of the things you've been reading about it in this book, but I just wanted to lay that out. Like, I thought it was super cool that I found that clip because it just it just made me feel right that I had I had found what two other cool dudes validated found as your well. life yeah, validated what I was why I was at, at, on, at Waffle House on a Tuesday at twelve o'clock in, in, the, <laughs> in the morning. So well, yeah. to to kind of preface uh, this discussion, first let me ask, what's your order when you go to Waffle House? Ooh. It's it's all all star all the way all star special. Really? Okay. Yeah, all star special. Um, I think. Um, let me uh, let me get back to you on the hash brown order because I I, I I ventured out here and there, but it was always a chocolate chip waffle. Okay. I, I didn't I, I didn't follow suit on the pecan, and it was normally bacon, never sausage. All right. Um, but. Yeah, that was the go-to with uh with a the with the coffee, even though the coffee wasn't great. And it's funny I mentioned coffee. I, um, so the past two days I've been at uh, Starbucks, the the land of uh, of Ashley, and uh, oh, yeah, because she works there. But uh, I I don't know if you've had it or not yet. But the blonde roast is really good. I've I okay I have not had it. Um. I've seen it advertised, and she has made a comment or two about it. I can't remember what, but um, I've actually wanted to try it. So, dude, it's it like so this tomorrow morning. I think I'm gonna ask her if she'll bring me some back. Yeah, you should. Um, I I went yesterday in the afternoon. The the um, drive-through was packed, and as I always. waited. As always, I waited in line. And got a venti americano, and you know that you know that regular. Um, Hang on, we're having we're having a, an interruption. 
Someone is at the door, and I'm not going to answer it. Okay. <laughs> I can hear my brother scurrying, so he's going to. So, anyways, um, waited in line at Starbucks, got the blonde, uh. and it was really good. And I actually went back today and got another. So, definitely highly recommend coffee, um, the new blonde at, at St- Starbucks. But, anyways... The Waffle House order, um, I'm going peppered, which is jalapenos, and topped. No, sorry, country, country. Country and peppered, which is gravy and jalapenos on the hash browns. Gravy? Yeah. Sausage gravy. Big. <laughs> yeah, so there, there's, the, there's the old order from back in the day. All right. All right, I'm going to have to go uh, double pecan waffle, um, hash browns, covered, smothered, and peppered. Mm. I think covered is with onions. And then smothered is cheese? Yeah, and peppered is your, your jalapenos. Yeah, jalapenos. Um, depending on how I'm feeling, if I'm feeling froggy, I'll get an egg. I'll get that over easy yeah maybe some toast to to eat the egg right on the toast but i don't know yeah i don't know that's a solid order pretty good pretty good the the pecan waffle you really can't overstate how good that is it's it's pretty tasty i didn't realize you could get uh chocolate chip or peanut butter yeah waffles until until ashley told me about it yeah peanut butter waffle is good I, I might have to work that in one day. But um, so anyway, on to the, the, the board aim content. Um, so I'm, like you said, I'm reading a lot in my downtime before I, I start school this fall. And um, one of the books I'm reading is Medium Raw by Bourdain. Now, I've, I've already read, I would say, most of his books. Um, this one is, it's, it's a little bit different and I can't exactly put my, my finger on how, but he made a really interesting point about the food network that I, it's like, it's like subconsciously I knew about it, but I have never really talked about it or I don't know, just faced it outright. So, you know, the first thing that Bourdain did other than, than, become a a semi-successful chef was write this book called Kitchen Confidential. And he never really thought that he was going to get any kind of success from it, but it like rocketed him to the top of the culinary world almost. Okay, that might be an exaggeration a little bit, but it made him really famous. And it's where uh, the idea for his show No Reservations came from. Um, and also just a little background on, uh, Noma, shut up. <laughs> All right. Sorry. Noma's day's dog. Uh, the, uh, the book Kitchen Confidential is basically just shedding light on the culinary underbelly of the world, what it's like to be a chef day to day. It's really gritty. It's really intense. And it's, it's just not really something that you would ever really think about 
um, the life that these people live. But anyway, the book is a massive success. And he starts these talks with different TV networks um, on this show idea that that's going to be no reservations. And the Food Network is logically the 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 first network to um, start any kind of dialogue with him. Well, something happened from the beginning of the dialogue to the end, and there was just this mentality shift at the Food Network. And in and I'm paraphrasing here, he said you had people like Emerald. Uh, Bobby Flay, just to name a couple, who were these chefs that, you know, they had put in tons and tons of work into what is essentially their own empire. And at this point that he's, you know, that Bourdain is talking, Emerald, a personal friend of his, uh, looks so beaten down, so exhausted, and just just pretty much, um, I don't know. I don't know what adjective I'm looking for. Lifeless. Yeah, yeah. When it when it comes to his show and and it, like he can he can fake uh, the personality, but off camera he's just like a, a, a cold body, you know. Yeah. And. Um, he asked him one time, very candidly, just when it's the two of them, he's like, why don't you quit? And basically the response was, you know, you think I can? I'd love to, but I've worked so hard uh, building this up to what it is. There are so many people that work for me and for my yep. product. I can't. If I quit, then then they're out of work, right. Which, which, you know you don't really think about he's just going through the motions at this point, but uh, more, more to the point with Bobby Flay, you know, he is like a food network golden child. Everyone loves beat Bobby Flay. And um, he said that the, the his talks for his show with the food network ended when they brought in this uh, legal person who made it very clear that the Food Network was not going to be about um, quality food or even really food in general. It's going to be about the personalities and just making people feel good when they watch the any show on Food Network. And he said that is why you have Bobby Flay, who is an unrivaled chef, cooking um not even to a, a tenth of his ability uh against some average schmo who really has no point um uh, being on tv and losing every time against that person inevitably uh, so I feel, I feel like that's a real interesting point in the sense that so <laughs> I think that that puts the Food Network in a different light for me right now, just since you said that, because at the same time, like watching the Food Network, that, that's where I started was the Food Network. Right. And since I've branched off from there, I've segued into YouTube and Viceland. 
yeah. to get in like my what I believe is like the people that I attribute like why I still love food as much as I do. And the people that I love on Viceland are the people that are real and right. you can tell all about the food. And it, like when you watch the Food Network, I don't feel like that that, that points over like stated enough. No, it's no. not about the food. It's yeah. about the personalities that are on these shows. It's never about like the high quality in food. Like this is what you know. This is the goods. You know what I mean? It's yeah. It's not about. It's about the bigger than life personalities. Yeah, you know, like I I don't I don't hate Guy Fieri at all. I think his show. Um, Diners, drive-ins, and dives is pretty good. Um, even uh, guys' grocery games—it's—it's it's like it's just—it's stupid, but it's—it's—it's it's, it's not the bottom of the barrel in terms of uh, Food Network show. But right. that being said, he's only on there because he plays that card. He is a distinct personality that plays right into the hands of what they're looking for. Right. Um, I think that uh, a lot of the judges on Chopped and Beat Bobby Flay and stuff, they do the same thing. Not and, not in the same way that Guy Fieri does, but um, and I you're think not going to have like a raw, rugged dude like Anthony Bourdain making friends at the Food Network, you know? Right. And, and, that and is... content that's on YouTube and Viceland and Munchies and stuff, that's all like unfiltered. And, and, and of course, they edit it the way they want. But I, when I say unedited, I mean it in the way that Food Network would not allow them to drop an f bomb on their show. They do it when they when they put the burger in their mouth. You know, oh, it's so good. But um, yeah, yeah, man. that's the point. That's that's my point. Is is that I I don't think people understand that when Bourdain says that Mario. Uh, Batali or whoever can't quit the show or Mar uh, M M Emerald. God Emerald, can't yeah. quit the show because it, there's so many people depending on him. I think it's a point that I've heard on other podcasts and like what happens behind the scenes on these TV shows and these movies and stuff like that is you got these big high-end execs that don't know anything about what they're actually portraying to the public but yet they are they are saying this is what the public needs to see. This is what the public wants. Blah, based on the study of such and such, this is what all this is is supposed to look like. And I think what we're getting away from of that is all that um, edited like nonsense that's not even about like what I think for me. Like I've, I explained it to my wife one time when I was watching like the Action Bronson show, which is basically just an unfiltered cooking show where he's doing all kinds of stuff. But what it what it why it draws me in is because it's real. It's not scripted. It's basically this is what we're gonna do here, and then we're gonna bring this person in, and then just let them freelance. Like let them just be who they are. And I feel like that is what the general public is gonna start wanting. That we want we want realness. We want people that actually yeah. like what they're doing, not someone who's broken down like Emerald Gossi because of a show that some high end suit is telling him he's got to do it this way, this way, and this way. And if you don't do it this way, we're going to cut your show off. And it's right. just like, what do you mean? Like, I love food. You don't even know. You don't even love food. Like half these yes. execs probably eat at McDonald's for crying out loud. You, you know, you know what I mean? Like they're not invested in it. They just want to make the, they just want to make a buck. Yeah. And, it's pretty sad too, because, you know, I watch the food network pretty frequently, to be honest. 
And there's there's some stuff on there that it just has me really shaking my head. Like it's garbage. Chopped, Most of chopped, it is garbage. Chopped kids. Why yes. in the hell do you have little nine trying to compete against each other in a kitchen? That that's it's... not entertaining. That I they can't cook. They can't cook. <laughs> I, I don't care what they're throwing together. It's garbage. It's just it's not good TV. And you know my overall problem. I know you want you want to know what my overall problem with those like uh, those judging shows. Like honestly, I can't for the life of me figure out like th- even the descriptions that these people are like saying that are going in their mouth. This food and they're saying this is good compared to this is bad. Blah 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 blah. I'm just like I don't feel like that's being captured in like an, a seven minute segment before a commercial. No, absolutely not. I feel like there's a lot of like uh, scrutiny to. Um, to make it look a certain way for us to like create drama to the show. You know yeah, what I mean? Like it's for sure. like, Hey, you're going to, you're going to say that this guy's food's bad in comparison to that girl's food is good yeah. just because it looks better. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. That, and I mean, you have to remember this is all for a network who depends on ratings. So exactly. if you have a competitive cooking show and you have one personality behind the grill that, people can really get behind don't underestimate the fact that they could script that so that that chef doesn't get booted right and we all know we all know bobby flay has beaten 99 percent of the people on earth when it comes to any sort of cooking tasting challenge like yeah. don't tell yeah don't tell me don't tell me mark from iowa is coming in and cooking something better than bobby flay dude like get out of here Exactly. It doesn't happen. That, that's, it's, it's, you know, and that's something that it's like I knew deep down, but I never really considered it until I read Bourdain um, talking the, about it. It's brainwashing at its finest. You watch Bobby Flay out there. Those Joe Schmoes behind the grill competing against him, they like talk shit to him. Yeah. And, and he just like stands there and laughs He's like, okay, I guess we'll see. Yeah. He's just taking one on the chin because he's got it's it's the it's the famous David versus Goliath. Uh huh. Like and it's, it's it's just like everybody's said. rooting for David, you know. More times than they rightfully should, they beat exactly. Bobby Flay, and it's exactly. not because Bobby Flay did performed below them. It's because nobody's gonna watch a show where Bobby Flay wins every time. Win every time. Exactly. Yeah, it, and and it's it's sad. It's sad because he knowingly walks in there every day, knowing that this person who should not be called chef is going to beat him on national TV. Right. Like that's defeating to me. I I I, I take issue with that. Right, and I think it's important for us to talk about this stuff in the sense that like we have to let. I I I believe. In my heart of hearts, that eventually the consumer wins out on most things. Like what you want, normally you're going to get if you decide to like actually, you know, really take a hard stance on on things that you don't like. And yeah. I, I don't want a lot of those shows for the simple fact is is that I feel like they're so uberly scripted it's not even funny. Yeah, and I that anymore i don't want to watch that anymore i want to watch the show that's got action bronson bringing in emerald gossy and emerald gossy's cooking for action bronson 
and literally it looks like they're ready to have sex on the table because they have such admiration for each other. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? There's just a genuine love that's love fest that's going on. Then action walks away and he's got a mariachi band playing. Then he walks to another guy and that guy's um, showing him like some truffle oils and some truffles and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Just all kinds of just craziness going on, but it's all real. Yeah. All the, that's what yeah. I think people are wanting. You know, I really believe that. Like the next time I have to watch Pioneer Woman, I'm going to blow my brains out. <laughs> I, I actually think she's, she's one of the less. better ones that's ever done it in the sense that her, her recipes aren't bad, but her show is just awfully scripted. Oh, my Awful. gosh. Just like shut the hell up, lady. <laughs> I don't care about your stupid ass farm. <laughs> there's, but there's a she's filling a niche because there there are people out there that do care about that. Oh my gosh, I know. Trust. It's me. just like my gripe. It's like my gripe with Trisha Yearwood. My my mom bought that cookbook like for eighteen different people in my family, and it's you know it's just like Trisha Yearwood's recipes are just straight lard and garbage, and I'm like, man, yeah. I. I can't wrap my head around this. I can't. It's like, you know, the irony is I'm saying all this in total agreement with what Bourdain is saying. And yet I love Rachel Ray. I know it's, it's kind of weird though. Right. Because like, there are just certain people that we let get, we let slide, you know, you you know what though, you know what though? I think the reason that, that, um, that this double standard exists is because Rachel Ray is not, putting on a personality that's actually who she is right right and and she's pretty good at what she does she just was the right person to come along and fill that slot yeah i mean at the end of the day like i'm not going to be mad at guy fietti doing his shtick and him making as much money as he possibly can like i don't i don't care you know what i mean like at at the end of the day like if that's who he wants to be then let him be that person. It's just not going to be for everyone. You know what I mean? Right. Like, and, and the same thing goes for on the other side of the spectrum. Like every Anthony Bourdain's not for everybody. You know what I mean? It's it, it, it goes both ways. Like you if just, you like Paula Dean, you're not going to like Anthony Bourdain. It, there, there's a law of attraction here, I guess, that's happening amongst human beings. Why I gravitate towards uh, Eddie Wong, Maddie Matheson, Action Bronson. Anthony Bourdain, David Chang. I have no idea, but I just do. And why I dislike so much uh, Paula Dean or um, I can't even come up with some other ones, but like I, I don't know. I don't know well, why. It's that- like it's like Bourdain said, and I, I'm gonna. It was very controversial at the time, but I got aside 100 percent with my man. He called Paula Dean like a serial killer because her recipes are nothing but lard and butter and it just contributes to the fattening up of the country on a, on a grand scale. Once you give her her own TV show and cookbooks and you know, whatever else. But, um, yeah, if you're, if you're, if your number one ingredient is butter or sugar, I don't think you're doing it right. Yeah, I would people, say people people here might disagree, but I would say sugar for sure. We can argue butter at another time, but like I I just think to me they represent 
the gluttonous passion that most people have for food where they just they just overly they just gorge themselves you know it's not yeah. about the quality of the ingredients it's about the quantity of the ingredients and that's where we we find ourselves on a slippery slope with food yeah is that you can never you can never fully get enough so yeah it's the american way of life yeah i mean it is i i I've, I, there's another part of that, that to me, like, it's not only the food's fault. It's also the person's fault. Like we got, we have to start taking responsibility for like understanding like how to eat like a grown up and how to eat like a three-year-old. You know, there's a lot of people out there that they eat like three, like you and I could walk into Paula Dean's restaurant in Charleston, South Carolina, which I walked by when I was, or not Charleston, South Carolina, but Savannah, Georgia that I walked by and we could walk in there and have a nice meal and walk out. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's it's no thing like we're not going to gain 20 pounds that's just our body structure it's just people need to have a little more self-control sometimes yeah you know they they you can't eat you can't eat birthday cake every day dude like if you do you're going to gain weight your health is going to be diminished and you're not going to feel good and that's just the overall that's just that's just the hard facts of life like i i've had conversations with my daughter where she says to me i don't want to eat this and i tell her that everything she puts in her mouth is not needed needed for taste. Some of it is just needed to fuel the body. Like you can't always eat something that make that tastes good all the time. Like sometimes yeah. you need to suck it up and eat stuff that's just good for you. You know, that 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 salad that you don't want to eat sometimes is the best thing you could possibly eat at that time. That's kind of something else that uh, he alludes to in the book is that Really, when you when you look at uh, the country at large, nobody can cook. Right. At least not not on the level that uh, would be beneficial. Um, he says if everybody could make an omelet, you know, every things might be a little different. If everybody could um, really cook a meal just off of several ingredients that you had in your refrigerator might be different. Um, But the fact of the matter is so many people can't cook, have no idea what to do with ingredients when they do have them, that you start to rely too heavily on the drive-thru or the frozen food section. So it's fascinating. Like it's a, it's a real, like that topic in general for me is like, it, it gets my brain flowing to a place where I'm just like the, I think the, the, the way where we go wrong in America in, in this topic is the general education of food and, and, mm-hmm. and letting people know like, Hey, look, if you want to have that cheeseburger on Friday, that's fine. Eat that cheeseburger, but just know Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, you're going to feel that cheeseburger for a while. You know what I mean? So you need to, you need to cut it back with maybe some fruits and vegetables and some other things and drink plenty of water because you can't eat a cheeseburger every day. Like, it's just not, it's, it's not good for you. Like, don't yeah. eat that. like you can have a cheeseburger every once in a while, but just chill out. You know, don't, don't do it all the time. Yup. It's, it's, it is what it is. I mean, you, you leave it up to the people and sometimes they make the right choices and sometimes they make the wrong choices. And I, I take it from me, a guy who for 18 years ate like a three-year-old, hell, probably 20, 21 years, I ate like a three-year-old. 
So I've made plenty of bad choices when it comes to food. Yeah, you're you're <laughs> so, still burning those off. <laughs> I mean, and so I, you know, I, it's just it's just funny. I, I think it's it's an overwhelming problem that can be easily fixed just with, by educating people. And I think people are trying. The more information that gets out there, the more the more Bourdain puts out, like, hey, you know, this is what this is what's really going on inside yeah. of the food world, the restaurant world. That's good. You know, that's ultimately a positive thing. Well, there's definitely some kind of food revolution going on, the scale of which I can't really determine yet. Um, It reminds me of that that show. uh, I think it was called Food Revolution, uh, where Jamie Oliver came to Huntington, West Virginia, because it was the it was declared the fattest state or the fattest city per capita. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I remember him going to elementary schools and trying to revamp their their lunch menu to facilitate better health he's an interesting guy he is but you know what those lunch ladies couldn't stand him couldn't stand him they could not fathom why some uh slender british dude was trying to tell them that instant mashed potatoes wasn't conducive to um i don't know good grades good health <laughs> and they couldn't stand him coming in their domain and trying to mix it up which i'm not sure how i feel about that it's a little scary but it also like nobody wants to be told how to do their job well it's 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 called you know it's called a disruption in the, the workforce <laughs> yeah you know you're coming in and changing the ways of these lunch ladies that have been doing this for what how many years yeah, like food science is like a, a an up and coming thing. Like it's new, it's newer in the realm. Like you know, you got these people that are actually studying what these what the nutrients inside of this foods do to the human body. Yeah, and, you know when that information put out there, and it it and we start to think back in our rolodex of what's actually being fed to like children inside of the school system, you're like, holy crap. Oh, it's terrifying. Here, like, here's another here's another thing for all the listeners to Google. If you Google um, school lunches around the world, it is astounding how far behind the United States is. You have, you know, full serving of, of vegetables and fruits in almost every country around the world on a daily basis. And here, you know, my mom is an elementary school teacher. I, I know firsthand what it's all about. You've got hot dog, French fries, and a choice of salad if you want it. But let's be honest. Yeah. yeah. What what six year old kid is gonna load up on greens at the salad bar? It's not d- depending it's not, on what they're getting at home. It's not. It's not gonna happen. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, and the fruit that the fruit that comes out is super processed and like some sort of corn syrup or something like that. So. Yeah. Exactly. And then, the milk, the milk that goes along with that, sugar to the gills. It's just, it's, it's all nonsense. Like, it is. And I, and I, and I just I, let me let me say real quick. Uh, I feel like I may have given the wrong impression when I said earlier about um, Jamie Oliver and the lunch ladies. I fully back Jamie Oliver in what he was trying to do, um, but I think maybe the approach was wrong and and i can understand why the lunch ladies were upset yeah. but i i can't 
I have to point the finger at them and say, if you know something is bad, don't try and keep it the way it is. Right. You know I mean? There is no reason to scream ignorance anymore in the face of, I didn't know that was bad for me. Like, do yeah. your research. You know what I mean? Like, if you... It, it's my it's my number one battle with most people is is that I can't figure out why people don't consider their body more. They don't they don't care about what they're putting in it. You know what yeah. I mean? Like you only get one of these things. So why aren't you trying your hardest to make it work properly? I mean, people got mad in the in the fifties when when studies came out suggesting that cigarettes were unhealthy. Of course, you know, you're just asking for you know. People don't get it until it's too late, I don't think. You know what I mean? Like, I just, we're always trying to reverse instead of actually trying to be um, progressive or try to think outside the box about certain ideas. Like, I think yeah. we're always, you know, to try to backtrack after we've already messed our bodies up for so long. And we're just hoping that something comes along that fixes all our, our problems. And I don't think it's going to, I think you can fix your problems immediately. Like, what are you waiting on? Like, just... Yeah. just just look into it. Eat eat whole foods, and I think you you solve a lot of your your health issues. It's but. true. And here's a here's a uh, a topic for another time. Maybe next week. I don't know, but um, possibly a controversial topic: GMOs, not the enemy. I'm just gonna throw that out there. Plant the seed. So people that when you're at the the grocery store and you see non-GMO project, that in and of itself doesn't mean you're doing the right thing. Um, the only the only example I'm going to give is uh, how they injected beta carotene into into rice in Asia, and suddenly people stopped developing blindness later in life. Um, it doesn't mean that they're pumping food full of um, hormones or antibiotics or preservatives or anything. It just means they're altering the DNA um, in a way that is, is conducive to, to more food growth in a lot of cases. So um, I felt that was, that was relative uh, to, the, to the topic of, of healthy eating. But anywho, it's like I said, we can revisit that topic on a, on a later podcast, but um, what else? What else we have on the on the docket? Anything? Yeah, I, I wanted to hit one little small point um, that we talked about in the last podcast. When we talked about hot ones, and you asked me what um, who I who I thought should come on the show next. Oh yeah, yeah. Let's, yeah, let's I, hear it. I got, I, I got I'm it. interested. And he's actually already done a show with Sean Evans. Um, it's Sean in the Wild. This is one of his other sub shows. Oh, I, th I think I know what you're gonna say. Uh, maybe. Uh, Tom Segura. No, no, that's not who I thought. Okay, but I'm <laughs> with you. I'm with you. Who were you thinking of? Andy Milanakis. Ooh, yeah. Okay, that's a good one too. But I, I want to give you. I want to give you the reason why I, I think Tom Segura should be on the show. Okay. So Tom Segura did wild, um, and he did the actual. Um, he put up five guys, uh, in and out and Shake Shack and, and picked the ones they liked the best in and out one, um, from both of them naturally. And, okay. So, 
he just actually Tom Segura, if anybody doesn't know, is a comedian. He actually just put out a uh, special on Netflix called Disgraceful or Disgraced, one of the two. But in his presentation of like how sarcastic he is, and through like the ring of fire right now from pe- from people from Louisiana. I guess he did this bit about Louisiana people and how we should build around the, a wall around the state and how they, they, they don't, they don't, you can't understand what they're saying. Yada, yada, yada. I mean, he just went in on people from Louisiana, which normally that happens to West Virginia people. Yeah. But like, I guess he, he went after the state of Louisiana hard and I'm not kidding. If you don't have, if you have Instagram, he's worth the follow just for the like direct message that he's getting from people from Louisiana um, it is hilarious because he posts all of them, and I mean these people are after him like with with uh, with uh, pitchforks. I mean they want to burn him at the stake for what he said on the the special, and they actually petitioned they petitioned to take him off of Netflix. Uh, grow the and hell like, up, Louisiana! We've been doing this to West Virginia forever. We're used to it. I, I know. It was like. On seriously, like how soft are we at this point? I remember, like, I a- remember when Abercrombie and Fitch came out with a shirt with the state of West Virginia, at like you know the outline of it, and then in the middle it said it's all relative in West Virginia. <laughs> Which is funny. I mean, it's just funny. Laugh at it, like yeah. laugh at yourself. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like come on. But the reason why I thought he would be good on Hot Ones is obviously to talk about that, to promote his special, and then all around, like, he had he does a podcast called Your Mom's House with his wife, uh, Christina Pazinski, and those two are both committed, they're just hilarious people, and, like, he has, like, um, what he became famous for, doing, doing like, these alternate, like, uh, personalities, and... <laughs> Some of the ones he does, like, they're just hilarious. And I think, like, him and Sean already have a good di- dynamic from the other show. So I think he'd be great on Hot Ones. Sweet. So, yeah, he, he, he'd he be right up the Hot Ones alley. Now, I don't think it'll happen because he's already done all the promotional stuff for Disgraceful. Um, so might not see him for a while. But I think once he comes back with a new special, I think he'd be great on Hot Ones. Sweet. I'd watch Cause it. Because a lot of a lot of the comedians that have ever done the show, like him, Bert, or not him, but uh, Bert Kreischer, uh, uh, Bobby Lee, um, and uh, Joey Diaz, like all those dudes were like super hilarious. So I think anytime a comedian comes on, it's a win-win. So yeah, that that's to answer your question from last week, who I thought should come on. All right, right on. That's uh, that's a good one. And I'm I'm glad I thought of Andy Milanakis because I'd like to add him to my list. I'd love to see him on it. I don't know like what he does anymore, other than just like what I don't think he does a whole anything. Yeah, I don't I don't either. Just sit around his house and rap to himself. I guess I don't know, but um, <laughs> I think he'd be pretty funny to to watch eat diabolically yeah. hot wings. I agree with that. I could share that that sentiment for sure. Yeah, but really, and that's that's about all I got for this week, man. I think uh, I think we hit the trail maybe uh, next week sometime, and then come back for the podcast. I think we try to go maybe hit up Whiskey Taco or the Block or something like that, and then come back with an official review, like really kick the show off since we're now like 
famous and all, you know, we're, we're, we're on like five different platforms. So yeah, I think we should get into the show now. Like we've, we've, we've talked for the past two weeks about just nonsense. So why not actually do the show properly? Yeah, I guess it's probably, <laughs> I mean, yeah, we go off, we can go off script a little bit, but I think, you know, we started this with the idea of like, we actually go to restaurants, eat and then come back and tell people about it. So I think we should get down the nitty gritty. Yeah. So so hopefully guys and, and gals, the next podcast will be a review of uh, a restaurant we've never been to before. Um, but yeah, I guess, I guess that's it to, to recap uh, the last week. Um, man, your thoughts, Belichick got Belichicked. <laughs> Congratulations uh, want... to to our our buddy Brian. His team his team won a, a pretty good Super Bowl, I think. Ham, aka Moss Dog, Moss Dog. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, the, his his team finally won a Super Bowl, so he was pretty stoked about that. I, I believe he's still celebrating somewhere. Oh yeah. Now I was listening to Bill Burr, um, and also the Men in Bladers commented on it. Apparently, some Philadelphia fan was eating horse poop. Yep. Okay, that's weird. That's a new one. Uh, I've never I've never heard that before. You're so happy and excited. Your team won. You dropped all fours in the street and eat horse poop. Don't yeah, knock it little, until you try it, I guess. It's a little uh, weird, man. Like, I'm surprised the city of Philadelphia is even standing at this point because I'm surprised they didn't just burn it down. Yeah, but uh, – Got a little crazy. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, that actually, Not sure I'll be trying that one when my team wins, but – No, 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 no. I'm not I'm not celebrating that way. But that that's actually a good uh, – I want to mention um, I'm actually starting a second venture – of a podcasting that's gonna ha- gonna drop this Sunday. On oh gosh, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm branching out a little bit. Um, Doubly famous. Yeah, not really. I don't know. This one's gonna be uh, this is gonna be an interesting dynamic because we're gonna have uh, five different people on. Nice. So, so uh, we're gonna do what's uh, what we've uh, formally named called the Sweet 100 podcast. A bunch of D and E former baseball players just spitting a bunch of hot takes and nonsense out there. I so, dig it. Yeah, we're going to drop that on Sunday, try to anyways. It's going to be uh, – we already mentioned him, Ham, Moss, Dog, and uh, Champagne, Money, Pete, Josh Lopez, Money, Mark, and uh, Billy the Kid, and myself. going to drop some some sports knowledge and then just you know talk about old war stories from the old playing days. Outstanding. So, yeah, that'll be that should be a fun, fun, fun ride. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. Um, obviously, we're not going to be on five platforms right away, but we hope to get published like our podcast is. Yeah, I mean, not everybody can be Fork Buddies. Let's just let's just get that out <laughs> no, of the way. Right. Fork Buddies will always be my baby. It'll always right. be number one in my heart because it's it's the concept that I've always had in the back of my mind that we brought to fruition so it's it's number one so yeah well flanny what are you gonna do with the with the rest of your friday um uh, me and my wife talked about uh ordering takeout from fuji so i might have a i might have a uh, run in with uh the sushi sushi
Ooh, sushi yeah. Nazi encounter, and then a side review coming up. I think. Yeah. Oh, okay. let me th- let me in, let me in the podcast with this one. Okay, so, um, you and I, uh, we talked about it on the very first one we did that was really screwed up, but I, we talked about that interaction with um, at first watch with the uh, waitress who you went to school with. Yeah. Yeah. Her. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, I'm not going to get into that story. I don't, I don't, I don't feel like it plays a part here, but it, it, it does. It, it, it happened to me today. Ah, you got big leagued. No, no. Actually, I got side, uh, side swiped, like not even didn't even see it coming. So I took my daughter. We normally go to breakfast on Fridays because I'm off. But today I was like, let's let's do lunch. So we did lunch at first watch and it was packed. Okay, so I get in there, okay. got my daughter, and I walk up to the counter, and I, she's like, what's your name? I'm like, Flanagan. She's like, two. I was like, yep. And she's like, what's your first name? Ryan? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> and she goes, oh, my gosh, do you, do you remember me? I was like, uh, she's like, I grew up on 23rd Street. You and your friend Matt Henson, uh, used to hang out with me and my sister who are twins i was like she's like sixth grade i was like holy crap (laughs) it blew me away did you remember her then no i remembered her then but i I couldn't tell her your her name i had no idea what her name was oh interesting I, i was like wow i was like man she's like yeah she's like you come in here a lot i was like yeah and uh i was like i I I don't know how I was supposed to ever remember her. My, so my, it's the reverse of what happened to me, yes. only you didn't remember, or she At actually all. spoke to you and and jogged your memory. Right. So in the in the in the escape message, I was like, oh, I'll have to tell Matt that I that I've seen you, and I did still didn't know her name, and she's like, okay. <laughs> so I sit down waiting for the table or whatnot, and I text Henson. I'm like, hey man, do you remember those uh, that that those twins that we used to hang out with on 23rd Street? Dude, he knew their names, knew their background, like all this stuff. Not surprising. <laughs> I was like, I was like, whoa, man, like seriously? He's like, yeah. I was like, I was like, that's crazy. He's like, we'll go up and like ask her how her life is. I'm like, nah, man, I've already I've already been through enough with like trying to remember all this. Right. So, yeah. So now, like, you always thought of you having, like, the first watch weird encounters with the girl that you went to school with because sometimes she big leaves you, sometimes she doesn't. Now I'm going to – Yeah, like I don't don't remember the times that she did (laughs) when she – like, really? Come on. I know. But, yeah. Now I have that because I see her in there all the time, and I think her name is uh, Beth. You should have just been like, well, which twin are you so I can tell them? Well, it's like – you date a twin, so is that like is that off limits to say? I don't think so. If you if you don't see her very often, which obviously you know it's been since high school, or maybe not. I don't know when you middle school. Middle school, okay. And yeah, I mean they've changed their looks a lot. Oh I my! Think if, if, I think if my girlfriend were to encounter that, and somebody was like, "So which twin are you?" I don't think, think she would even think twice about it. You think she wouldn't be offended? No, but like uh, in 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 my case, if I couldn't tell my girlfriend from her twin sister, that would be a problem. 
Right, right. It's Obviously. like to me, uh, it's not even close. But uh, to somebody that that hasn't seen them in a very long time, they're they're a little cousin. He's I don't know, ten years old, eleven years old, maybe twelve. He calls them by the wrong names like every time <laughs> I'm around. So, so but here's the funny thing about it though, right? Because she didn't know me either until I actually said my name. Uh, then yeah, you were you would have you know, totally been within your your rights to question her. Well, man, so, I was so like I was so like taken back by it that I had no, I froze up. You know, obviously I was just like I I didn't expect to see anyone there and have a conversation with them. I just want to get in and eat and get out. Right. And drop that bomb on me. I was like, she's like, yeah, my dad used to live on Twenty Third right under you. I was like, holy crap! Like, I I couldn't even tell you what they looked like in sixth grade. You know what I mean? Like, I. I <laughs> I don't even, yeah. <laughs> so like to go back and like jog the memory bank on that because it was just like wow like we hung out with him like for a weekend or something like that I don't even remember what we even did or like what like how she would even remember my name because uh, I didn't remember who she Casanova was. <laughs> the lasting impression uh, <laughs> yeah right so yeah so now. We share we share a common bond again in the fact that we both go to first watch now and get big leagued. Well, that to me, we just don't go back to first watch. <laughs> I love first watch though. So yeah, I know, it, it is good. It's good. It is good. Well, let's, uh, let's wrap it up there, dude. That's, that's yeah. We're gonna. I think uh, my Friday evening is gonna be going out to Sam's. You know, mm. have a nice little Friday. Maybe Walmart. I don't know if we'll have enough time. You know, we'll we'll see how it <laughs> plays out. Nice little Friday. Hey, uh, I heard I heard Sam's out in uh, Southridge has Kobe beef now. So if you want to be a baller tonight, drop drop like a sixty spot on a steak. Man, they do. I I was there before Christmas, and they were giving out samples. And this lady talked to me. I think she was lying. I don't think she really knew what she was talking about. But, She's telling me they 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 make the cows drink sake and they give them sake baths. I've heard that before. Okay, maybe she maybe she knew what she was saying, wow. but uh, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. see yeah, that, how sounds, goes. that sounds riveting, dude. So enjoy your Friday evening. <laughs> <laughs> we'll uh, we'll we'll touch base and get get to a restaurant sometime next week or something. Figure All out. right. All right. Well. Choo, choo, choo. Grab your tickets. Train's leaving the station. Fork on. Fork Fork. on. Fork out. Fork out.